Look, Colonel Schlag, I understand the need for some secrecy, but for more than three weeks, an astronaut has been missing. I'm tired of all the official double talk. Now, either I get a straight story, or I'll go on the air tonight with everything I know. Once again, Colonel Schlag, what has happened to astronaut Ted Shaw? <laughs> Theater 5 presents Odyssey of Number 14. This is your radio correspondent, Ray Boudreau. I'm with a press corps assembled here on Cocoa Beach. Looking north, I can see the gantry row of Cape Kennedy. We've been barred by military order from the Pad 14 press site, barred from the Cape itself. The shroud of complete secrecy has been dropped over this launch. The gangway is pulling back. I can see a capsule sitting atop the stack. The capsule is similar in shape and size of those that have been used in previous manned orbital space flights. The rocket has stopped launching. That happened 17 days ago. Our space agency continues to refuse to answer any questions. Our correspondents checked each astronaut and found one missing. Astronaut Ted Shaw, the old man of the group. At the agency, our questions met a brick wall. Major Shaw is away on a secret mission and will return in two weeks. Last Saturday night, a Cape technician told us that when the capsule was launched, Major Ted Shaw was aboard. It was an eyewitness report. The Monday morning meeting of our news chiefs. The story was stamped top priority. Orders were tried to get an angle from Shaw's wife. But Mrs. Roberta Bobby Shaw was away from her Houston home. The neighbors reported that Bobby Shaw was on a vacation. But actual whereabouts, unknown. Then I had a call from our permanent Cape correspondent. Hello? Oh, Frank, yeah. What? She's been down on Cocoa Beach all this time? Well, that supports the story that he was aboard the capsule. Yes, yes, I know her. Keep a tight watch in that house. I'll be down in the next plane. This morning, I stationed myself in the dunes just south of the beach house. At two minutes to five, Bobby Shaw left the house and walked along the water's edge toward me. I let her pass and then walked up behind her. Bobby. Bobby Shaw. Uh, why, Ray Boudreau. Bobby. What are you doing here? Bobby, tell me, where's Ted? I don't know, Ray. You'll have to get the story from the agency. Well, how long since you've seen him? 24 days. And you don't know where he is? Honestly, Ray, I don't. It's all hush-hush. What are you doing in this place? <laughs> Ted thought that there might be a lot of reporters buzzing around. So... To avoid the questions, he sent me here. Are you under any special security instructions? No, but then I don't know anything. Only that he's on a secret mission. But you haven't seen him for 24 days. Aren't you worried? Oh, I wasn't at first. But last week I began to worry when he didn't remember our day of beginning. Your what? Day of beginning. It's something very special to us. Ray, did you know that when Ted came back from Korea, he couldn't walk? No. No. 
I didn't. I guess it's something he'd rather keep out of the biography. Well, I was his physiotherapist at Walter Reed. That's where we met. Ted had been in this crash, and I'd exercise him, trying to get him to walk. He was a quiet one. You know how quiet he can be. Yes. But he'd talk to me all about Korea, the missions there, a lot about the men under him who were hurt or killed. He never said so, but I knew he blamed himself for anything that went wrong. And then one day, after one of those talks, he took his first step, and it was then he said he was going to marry me. He called it the day of the beginning. Every year since then, he sent me some remembrance of it, a gold charm, something... But last week, for the first time, nothing. He would have made some arrangement for it if he didn't expect to be back. And then, two days ago, this terrible letter came. I've been carrying it around with me ever since. I've been unfaithful. Divorce me. Is this his handwriting? I'm not sure. Now, Bobby... Do you think he was in that capsule 17 days ago? Yes. Why? He called me about 3 o'clock that morning. He said he wanted me to be on the beach at 7 o'clock. So when I saw the shot, I knew it was his. Bobby, you must have done some guessing. What do you think was Ted's mission? The only thing that's come to my mind is that it has something to do with the Pliskin muck. Ted and I discussed it, even joked about it. That was until the Project X secrecy. Then Ted stopped talking about it, and I got... A Pliskin muck, or Pliskin radiation field, is an electromagnetic field that is located and concentrated over the northern regions of the Soviet Union. It was nicknamed after its discoverer, the Russian scientist, Dr. I.K. Pliskin. I knew of its existence because I attended an international scientific conference in Stockholm last year and interviewed Dr. Pliskin after he defected to the West. In fact, we recorded a tape interview. Bobby, that, uh, that letter from Ted, where was it postmarked? Houston. Bobby, there's an explanation for it. And I think the explanation is in Houston. I'm going there this morning, and I think you should be on the flight with me. Yes. Yes, I want to come. Before I left Florida, I called my news desk in New York and told them what I had learned on Cocoa Beach. Also, I asked them to fly the Pliskin tape to me in Houston. When Bobby and I arrived, I didn't want her to go to her home. I didn't want her to talk to anyone, at least for the rest of the day. So she agreed to register in a Houston motel under a fictitious name. I picked the Pliskin tape off the New York flight and then called Lieutenant Colonel Thomas Schlag, the space agency chief of astronautical operations. Colonel, this is Ray Boudreau. Oh, yes, Boudreau. Colonel, where is Major Ted Shaw? Astronaut Shaw is on a secret mission. He'll be involved with it for the next several weeks. Now, that's all I can tell you, so... Colonel Schlag, I have an eyewitness report that puts Ted Shaw aboard the capsule that was launched 17 days ago. I also have a recording of Roberta Shaw, who was a very worried girl because of a letter she received from him two days ago. A letter to Shaw's wife? I thought she was on vacation. No longer. She's with me. A letter? Then, Colonel, I have a tape of a Dr. I.K. Pliskin. 
What does he have to do with this? A great deal. I'd like to come in and play this tape for you. I don't think that's necessary. All right, Colonel. But I'm going on the air tonight with everything I've got, including the Pliskin tape. But first, I'd like to talk to you about the implications of such a broadcast. All right. Come in if you like. I'll see you at 3.30. Goodbye. Three hours later, I played the tape I'd made last spring of Dr. I.K. Pliskin for Colonel Schlag. Here is that tape. Dr. Pliskin, we have rumors that a Russian cosmonaut has been lost in space. Is this true? Yes. The orbital paths of Russian flights were different from yours. One Russian flight went through a radiation field of such a destructive nature that the cosmonaut was unable to return to Earth. Oh, what happened to him? I can tell you no more now. I must talk to your agency officials first. I understand they are planning flights through my radiation field. It is very dangerous there, and they must be warned. Well, that's the tape, Colonel Schlag. First, let me say, Mr. Boudreau, that I've been authorized to answer all of your questions. But let me also emphasize that this is classified a secret. We expect you to keep it so. Now, that's a cute way of gagging me. Then Major Ted Shaw was in that capsule. Yes. Did the Pliskin muck hurt him? Yes. How? Seventeen days ago, after having been exposed to the strange effects of the Pliskin radiation field, astronaut Ted Shaw... Well, to put it in non-technical language, he went insane. This is your correspondent, Ray Boudreau. A few minutes ago, here at the Space Agency in Houston, Colonel Thomas Schlag revealed to me that 17 days ago, astronaut Ted Shaw was launched into space. His mission, to test the effect of the Pliskin radiation field. According to Colonel Schlag, this mission caused astronaut Shaw to go insane. At this point, Colonel Schlag changed the course of our conversation. He asked about the letter received two days ago by Major Shaw's wife and signed by the Major. Do you have that letter with you? Hmm. Here. Not a very good facsimile of his handwriting, is it? Hmm. Miss Lerner, please get to Colonel Jackson. Have him come to my office as soon as possible. Now, Mr. Boudreau, it's my turn to play a tape for you. It's a recording of Major Shaw while he was in orbit. At the time of this recording, Ted was in communication with our ground station at Varkos, Finland, and was some 12 minutes away from the Pliskin Muck. This is Odyssey 14. Ted, have you switched to automatic mode yet? Say again. Odyssey 14. Go to auto mode now. Okay, switching now. Lock. 14. Read you on auto mode. Good. We have loss of signal in approximately one minute. At this point, he was some 11 minutes away from the Pliskin muck. Here are Ted's last words received at Barkhaus, Finland. You're cutting out. Say again. Losing signal here. We will pick you up on the other side. 
after you go through it. Good luck, 14. Good luck. I don't need luck. Everything's fine here. What does the Pluskin muck do to a man? Come in. Oh, hello, Colonel. Howdy. Mr. Pedro, this is Colonel Jackson, who is the chief surgeon of the Odyssey mission. How do you do, sir? How do you do? Why don't you ask the Colonel that question? Very well. What effect does the Pluskin radiation have on an astronaut? Well, after they've had a taste of it, or perhaps I should say the sound of it, they just don't want to come down. I don't understand. Well, the simplest way I could describe it would be as an acute case of audio hypnosis. You see, when the capsule entered the Pliskin field, the radiation there created a sound phenomenon within the capsule. For lack of a better term, we label it space singing. Once a man is exposed to this space singing, he evidently goes into a deep hypnotic state and will do anything to stay in it. The siren song of space. Is that it? Well, the Russian cosmonaut wanted to stay in that world so desperately that he sabotaged all efforts to bring him down. The purpose of our mission was to send the kind of man who, by our most scientific judgment, was able to resist the field's hypnotic attraction. We thought the cosmonaut's breakdown might be an individual personal thing. We gave all the astronauts a battery of psychological tests, and Shaw measured strongest in resisting hypnotic influence. Yes. He certainly believed he could do better than any Russian cosmonaut. After talking with Dr. Pliskin, he was so convinced that it wouldn't happen to him that I must confess he had me believing him. So what happened? I'll play you the tape made after Major Shaw had gone through the Pliskin muck. We were in communication with the capsule through our tracking station on Okashiri Island, Japan. Odyssey 14. How do you read? Odyssey 14. Four corners to my bed. Four angels round my head. One to watch. One to pray. And two... <laughs> two to bear my soul away. Fourteen. I'll count down retro sequence fire. Three. Two. One. Zero. We read number one fired. For every evil under the sun... Number two fired. There is a remedy or there is none. Number three fired. If there be one, try and find it. If there be none, never mind it. Fourteen. We show that you have armed the escape hatch. Old woman, said I, wither so high. To sweep the cobwebs off the sky, and I'll be with you by and by. Fourteen. We show that you have blown the hatch. Come when you're called. Do what you're bid. Shut the door after you and never be kid. And may we light the clock, keep a face clean and bright, with hands ever ready to do what is right. Phew. Why, if I understand the tape, he made it impossible for you to bring him down. Yes. Put the capsule into a position that would have made it skip back into space when it hit the atmosphere. And did he have control? No. He didn't know it, but we'd rigged it so that once he went automatic before his entry into the Pliskin muck, all control belonged to us on the ground, and he could never again take it back again. Then he couldn't blow the hatch. That's right. Each button he pushed gave us a readout in our control, but had no effect on the capsule. Then you got him down all right? Yes. He gave us quite a fight, but we got him down. But where has he been these last two weeks? In our hospital here in Houston. 
He's been in a state of complete withdrawal. He does not speak, nor does he respond to any communication. Oh, that explains the note to his wife. What he really meant was being unfaithful to his own strict code of conduct. Yes. For a man like Shaw, it's a shattering experience to think he's failed. Well, then, what's our next step? I think it's time we brought Mrs. Shaw into it. I called Bobby Shaw at the motel and asked her to meet us in the observation room of the hospital. There, she was completely briefed. Colonel Schlag even played the tapes for her. When it was done, Bobby Shaw had only one thought. I want to see my husband. Just go through that door. We shall observe you through this one-way glass window. Colonel Jackson pulled back the curtain. We could see astronaut Ted Shaw sitting in a chair, staring into empty space. Colonel Jackson turned on the room's microphone. Ted? When she spoke, I thought I saw him flinch slightly, but it did not alter his dazed condition. Ted, when you came back from Korea, I helped teach you how to walk. Now, now we have to work on the speech. So, let's start the therapy. Remember the last time we kept count during the coordination exercises by saying nursery rhymes? All right. This time, I'm going to say them. And I want you to move your mouth. Let's start. The man in the moon came down too soon. She worked with him, with firmness, patience, with love. She kept Adam to move his mouth and in time to make some grunting noise in temple with the verse. Finally, after more than an hour of work... ...in time with the words. If there is a remedy or there is none, if there be one, try and find it. Now, Ted, say the last line yourself. If there be none... Ted, say it. If there be one, try and find it. If there be none... Never mind it. Good. Good, Ted. She did it. Yes, she did it. She brought him back. You're going to be all right, Ted. You're home again. You're home. Presented Odyssey of Number 14, written by Bruce Bassett and directed by Harry Nelson. In the cast, John Thomas, Lenka Peterson, Lon Clark, Cliff Carpenter, and Jay Barney. Audio engineer, Neil Pulse. Sound technician, Ed Blaney. Script editor, Jack C. Wilson. Original music by Alexander Vlastotsenko. Orchestra under the direction of Glenn Osser.
executive producer for Theater 5, Edward A. Byron. We invite your comments. Write to Theater 5, New York 23, New York. This is Fred Foy speaking. This has been an ABC Radio Network production.